Malachi chapter 8. thought about this chapter. It's, I, I love this chapter because it describes, it's very descriptive of the church. It points us to the church. And it talks about some blessings in the church. It gives a real good picture of the church and pray it will be a blessing to you. Brother Ben read these verses. I'll read them again and we'll look at several verses throughout this, this chapter. Again, the word of the Lord of hosts came to me saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I was jealous for Zion. So as we read through and look at the references to Zion, it's referring to the Lord's kingdom. It's referring to the Lord's church. It says that the Lord is jealous for His church. There's a lot of folks, even in, the, in, in history and in times past, that abhorred the church of Jesus Christ. And it would be their desire to snuff out the church, the Lord's church. There's actually folks in the day in which we live that oppose anything that would be uh, related to Jesus Christ or Christians. Great deal of opposition to it in the day in which we live. But God knows those that oppose Christ and His church. And the good news is that even though there are enemies and folks that would desire to snuff it out, the Lord Himself is the one that keeps the church. The Lord is the one that's jealous for His church. And so when folks might oppose His church... They're actually opposing the Lord. And we may get discouraged along the way when we see opposition to the things of God or Christians. But the last chapter hasn't been made known yet. God may have written it, but everybody may not have insight to it right yet. And so God has told us that He's going to spare His church. And he tells us right here that he's jealous for his church. A parent is jealous for their children. They care for their children. They love their children more than any other child on the block. And they'll put their life on the line. And and they'll do it when they're young. And they'll do it when they're old. I'll never forget. I I, I was torn as to whether to go to the hospital and be with... uh, Sister Polly Edwards' son, who was having open-heart surgery, he was about 75 at the time, or to go and be with his mother, who was 95, and that uh, as, as her son was being operated on. And I, I went to be with Sister Polly, and, and I'll never forget, Sister Polly was, was telling me, she said, I'd give anything in the world if I could take his place. I wish that I could be there and I could take his place. Well, that's the way the Lord is about His church. The Lord loves His church. He cares for His church. He knows about His church, where His church is, and He keeps His church, and He's jealous for His church. 
he says, I was jealous for her, and he says with great fury. Thus saith the Lord, I have returned unto Zion. If, if we read back in, uh, in Habakkuk and in some of the other prophets, we can see, and in Haggai especially, we can see where the Lord's judgment came upon the land and the Lord's judgment came upon the church because the people forsook the Lord. But the Lord says, I've spared a people. It's oftentimes referred to as a remnant. A remnant sort of gives the impression oftentimes that it's a part of or it's a small amount of. And if you look at our little gathering right here among the Christian world, we're probably a remnant. We are. But did you know that the Lord spares and provides for a remnant? And the Lord can bless a little remnant. And so even though the judgment of God was upon the land because they had forsaken the Lord, the Lord says, I'm going to spare a little group of folks and I'm going to bless them. Let's look what he says. He says, Thus saith the Lord, I'm returned unto Zion, and I will dwell in the midst of Jerusalem, and Jerusalem shall be called the city of truth. Brother Cook just brought our minds and our attention to the importance of the truth. Does it matter if we know about how we're saved or not? It doesn't matter as far as our eternal salvation is concerned. God has saved us and He's delivered. But what does matter is that we have the blessing of knowing about it. God saved us. He delivered us. But then He also told us about it. And then you get the joy in knowing what Christ has done for you. That He's delivered you. Look what He says. He says, Thus saith the Lord, I'm returned unto Zion. Zion being representative of the Lord's house, the Lord's church. And did you know that that's what, we, that's what we desire, that's what we stand in need of more than anything else? I'm glad when you come. I get real excited when I get to see you and we get to worship together. I get real excited when I see you pull in the parking lot, when I see you walk in. It's a great blessing and you're a blessing to each one that's here and to each other. But the one that I desire the most to be here is the Lord. We need the presence of the Lord in this place. I hope you're here because if you're not, you'll miss a blessing. But I I hope the Lord's here because if the Lord's not here, we're all going to miss a blessing. And he says, the good news is, he says, I'm going to dwell in the midst of my people. I'm going to be there. I'm going to show my presence. I'm going to show my glory. I'm going to encourage my people. I'm going to revive my people. I'm going to help my people. If there was ever a time and ever a day that the Lord's people needed encouragement and help, it's in the day in which we live. Not too many places that we know that we can go and get encouragement. We ought to be able to know that we can come to the house of the Lord and we can be encouraged by the Lord Jesus Christ. First of all, because He's there and then because we can dig in and get His promises and claim those promises. And they're going to help us get from... Monday till the next Sunday. They really will. And those promises are for you and I. They are. He said, I'll dwell in the midst of them. And he says, and by the way, it's going to be called the city 
of truth. It needs to be known as a place that God's people can come. And Brother Cook, what's so precious to you, and I know the truth is precious to you. You didn't always have it, but I know sometimes I think that makes it even more precious when you didn't always have it. I didn't always have the truth. I I remember I was 15 years old when I was told about the truth of the sovereignty of God. and, And I can remember how I questioned it and I didn't understand it and then all of a sudden it was like flipping a light switch on when the scriptures began to be illuminated and just almost it it was for me some of the verses that 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 taught me about the truth of God it was as if you took a yellow highlighter and and lit those verses up that's just about how it looked it was so powerful to me at that time the church of Jesus Christ is known as the city of truth. Not too many places you can go and hear the truth. There's not. You can hear some different variations, but the church of Jesus Christ is known as the city of truth. What does that truth encompass? First of all, it encompasses Jesus Christ. And then, then it encompasses that Jesus Christ did what He said He would do. It says His name shall be called Jesus, for He shall save His people from their sins. Do we believe He did it? If you believe the truth, you believe that Jesus Christ did what He said He came to do. And that He did it by Himself, and that He was 100% effective in what He did. The truth is also, it encompasses the promises of God. That He's not going to ever leave us. That He's never going to forsake us. That He cares for us. That He knows our needs. And that He gives us grace sufficient for our every need. I tell you, I'd get real discouraged in the day in which we live. I'd get real discouraged in all the things that are around me if I didn't have the promises of God to hold to. But those promises help me and those promises are there to help you as well. I remember somebody asking me when I was young, do you think God's called you to preach? And I said, well, I don't know how you're supposed to feel if you're a preacher. I don't know. But I know this one thing. I pray that God uses me, if He uses me in any any stretch at all, if there's any usefulness at all, I pray that it's to be used to encourage the Lord's people. I see a lot of folks that are discouraged And I'm thankful that we have some promises that will help us when we face discouraging times. He says that the the house of the Lord is referred to as the city of truth. It's where you can hear the truth of Jesus Christ. But then he breaks it down in a more practical way right here. And gives us a description of the church. He says, it's the city of truth and the mountain of the Lord of the host of the holy mountain. Brother Ben read this. I love these verses because this describes the church. This is the very reason right here. I mean, it's supported in many other places as well. But this, if there's only two verses right here that support the church representing all age groups. From the very young... To the very old. This right here in my understanding. Teaches us that we don't segregate the old folks over here. And the young folks over here. And the middle aged folks over here. Because this describes the entire church. 
and it actually describes a very beautiful scene. This scene came to mind last week when we were here. We had a had, a, had the sisters provided a meal, had a wonderful time, good time of fellowship. But after the meal or during the meal, you witnessed this very thing. We had great attendance. The house, I think we had 55 or so that were here last Sunday. It was a great blessing. But this, these next two verses, we witnessed here. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, in Zion, in His church, in His dwelling place, it's got the old men and old women there. And it's got the very old men and the very old women. Now I know that uh, some references in the scriptures refer to past 60 as being aged. So maybe that's the category that it's talking about. But it's also talking about not only the old, but the very old. And look what he says. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, There shall yet the old men and old women dwell in the streets of Jerusalem. If, if this is symbolic of the church of Jesus Christ, it says that in the church of Jesus Christ, there's a place in it for the old men and the old women. A great important role. One of the favorite pictures that I have is of um, Sister Perry, and she was 103 at the time, with all the young folks gathered around her. She had two or three in her lap in the wheelchair, and this was at church, in front of the church, and she had two or three in her lap, and then she had some on the ground in front of her, and and all around her and probably 15 or 20 young folks. Beautiful, beautiful picture. I'm sure that uh, Ellen and Grace will remember and, and, uh, and Jamie and Catherine when we would go on Wednesday nights when Sister Perry came for a long time on Wednesday night to church and she was well over 100 and still living in her own home at the time. And we would go on Wednesday nights and, and all the young folks would in her little house there wasn't enough room in her living room for everybody to have a chair and so the young folks would sit on the floor uh, around uh, at, at, at the, uh, around the sofa where Sister Perry was and, and the house would be packed and it was a beautiful beautiful scene and you saw a hundred plus year old sister rejoicing in the very same message the very same songs that the young ones were being blessed with as well. Those were wonderful, wonderful memories. He says in the, in the church, there's some old men and there's some old women. And he says, and they're very old because this is what he says. He says, because they lean on their staff, the staff in hand for very age. What's a staff? When, uh, when we had uh, the beautiful... Beautiful setting and wonderful day of Brother Ben's baptism. Uh, my uh, my stepfather gave me a staff to take out into the creek. And if you've ever walked out there on slippery rocks, I tell you, a staff comes in handy. And a staff was that big tall stick that you take as you go out in the creek. But he said, in the Lord's house, there's some people there that for very age, they're leaning on the staff. There's the very old in the Lord's house. 
Now, it's a blessing that the very old can rejoice in the same gospel message that the very young can rejoice in. So he says, in Jerusalem, in the church, in the Lord's house, there's old men and old women. And he says, and they lean on their staff for very age. They're very old. And he says, and also, and this was a beautiful setting that I witnessed last week and many of the times that we've been here. Uh, we we're talking about that uh, one of the things different here than we have at Mount Carmel is that the children have a large playground out here. And they love playing around the tombstones. And they have a blast out there. Well, did you know that that's scriptural? And right here it is. In the Lord's house, there's the old men and the old women. But he says that also, it says in the city, there shall be full of boys and girls playing in the streets thereof. Somebody came up to me last week after church and they said, do you realize I believe we had more young children here than we did the rest of us? Isn't that a great blessing? What a wonderful blessing to see the young children enjoying the blessing of serving and worshiping the Lord. And if you were here last week or several of the weeks in the past, you could walk outside and you could see those little children playing together and, and enjoying each other's company and enjoying the presence of being at the house of the Lord with the Lord's people. So the description, it's not to segregate the young folks out and put them in a different setting. You put them in exactly the same setting that you put the old folks in. And if you've got some children there, it refers, it makes specific reference to the old people. And it makes a specific reference to the young people. But if you've got the old people and you've got the young people there, then you've got some parents there as well. So you've got all age groups covered in the church of Jesus Christ. Right there together to worship the Lord together. It, it, it talks about in Matthew about how that God has ordained that even babes can worship God. And, and I, I, one of the blessings that I get on, a, on Wednesday night is after we've had a, a light meal, we, we put the chairs in a circle fashion um, in the dining room at Mount Carmel. And so as we're singing, maybe 15, 20, 25 people that are in this circle fashion, as we're singing the hymns, uh, we, we are able to, to see each other's faces as we're, as we're singing the hymns of praise. And we get to enjoy the, the fellowship of each other in this big circle, generally speaking. But one of the blessings that I've noticed, and I specifically noticed it lately with Marla. And I know Ellen has seen this. And, and it's not just Marla, I've seen it with other children as well. But Marla can't carry on a conversation with you. Not Maybe she can her mother, but not the way that we would think you would carry on a conversation. But when we're in that circle singing hymns, Marla starts singing. And sometimes we'll get to the end of the song and Marla's still singing. And I thought, what a blessing that God has touched her heart and her heart rejoices in the things of God. So the picture that we see here 
is that you've got the young men, the young women, the little boys, the little girls. You've got the old men, the old women. And that is the beautiful picture of the Lord's church, having everybody together. To me, it's a happy picture. It's a picture that I rejoice in. I enjoy just standing back and watching the Lord's people have a good time together. Enjoying each other's company. Enjoying each other's fellowship. Enjoying the, the preaching of the gospel. The singing of the hymns. Enjoying just being together to worship God. What a blessing that it is. He says that it's full of boys and girls playing in the streets thereof. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, If it be marvelous in the eyes of the remnant of this people in these days, should it also be marvelous in my eyes, saith the Lord of hosts? Did you know that? I know I get a blessing out of seeing it. I know you get a blessing out of seeing it. I know the children get a blessing out of experiencing it. I know the old folks get a blessing out of it. They, they wouldn't keep coming if they didn't get a blessing out of it. I know that that God's people get a blessing out of it. But he says that if you get a blessing out of it, he says, I myself delight in it. Look what he says. He said, in your eyes, should it not be marvelous also in my eyes? You want to do something that is pleasing to the Lord? Meet together with the Lord's people and worship God and it's marvelous in His sight as well. Marvelous in our sight. It's a blessing. We rejoice in it. But it's marvelous in His sight as well. I want to be there. I want to be where the Lord's presence is. I want to be where the Lord's people are. And I want to be where the Lord is blessing. He says, it's marvelous in my eyes. In my eyes. On down. This this is this chapter is great. I'd encourage you to read all the chapter. I'm just going to hit a few of the verses here that uh, that are a great blessing. He's talking about beginning to pour out his blessings upon the Lord's church. He talks about in the uh, middle part of the chapter withholding blessings because they had departed from the Lord. But he says, "I'm going to pour out my blessings upon you." In uh, in verse 13, it says, "And it shall come to pass that." As ye were a curse among the heathen, O house of, of Judah, house of Israel, so will I save you, and ye shall be a blessing. Fear not, but let your hands be strong. Did you know that that should be our desire? It ought to be the desire of each one of us here. It ought to be the desire that we could be used of God to be a blessing. To help somebody else, to encourage somebody else, to be used of the Lord. Best place to do it. Not the only place. One of the best places to start doing it is, is in the Lord's house with the Lord's people. If you pray that God will show you a need that somebody has. And that He'll put it in your heart to help that person. Did you know that you'll go and... Try to help them and encourage them. And you'll be a blessing to them. But did you know that God will in turn bless you even yes. the more? Amen. He will. Amen. 
He said, you're going to be a blessing. Now, first of all, we can't be a blessing unless God blesses us. We don't have it in us. But if God has put it in our heart, God gives us the opportunity. I love Galatians chapter 6, where he says, As we therefore have opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto those of the household of faith. He just simply says, that's a good starting place. That's a good place to look around. Not that that's the only place, but that's a great place to look around. Pray that God will bless you to be a blessing. And in turn, if He'll bless you to be a blessing in somebody else's life, in turn, you'll receive a blessing. Pray that God will bless you in that. He describes the the church again in verse 19. We'll look at verse 19. He says, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the fast of the fourth, fourth month and the fast of the fifth and of the seventh and of the tenth, he says, shall be to the house of Judah. And then he describes the Lord's house. He says, joy and gladness and cheerful feast. Therefore, love the truth and peace. Did you know that the Lord's house should be a place of, of, of joy? And it should be a place of peace. There's really not any room in the Lord's house for contention, for discord, for fighting among the Lord's people. The Lord desires that we would be at peace among ourselves with our brothers and sisters. And that it would be a peaceful place to meet and worship the Lord. He says right here, it's a place of joy, a place of gladness, a place of cheerfulness, a place of cheerful feast. Therefore, love truth and peace. If you love truth and you love peace, you'll want to be at a peaceful place. And you'll want to be at a place where the truth is proclaimed. And you'll rejoice in the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. When the Lord is with us and the Lord pours out His blessings, it's it's a pleasant place to be, to worship with the Lord's people. Uh, Verse 23. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, In those days it shall come to pass that ten men shall take hold of all languages of the nations, even shall take hold of the skirt of him that is a Jew, saying, We will go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. I heard it said one time that one of the best ways to to witness and evangelize is simply through a satisfied church member what he's saying right here is that if the gospel message has made an impact in your life if Jesus Christ has shined in your life if you truly bear the light of Jesus Christ in your life it's going to show up in the dark times in which we live It doesn't even take very much light to make a difference when something's really dark. We don't have to highlight the darkness in which we're living in right now. It's 
pretty bad. Yet if God's given you a light to shine, no matter how small or bright it is, it'll make a difference in the places you go and the people that you're around. And what he says right here is that if you're shining the light and your life is a witness to what God has done for you, it just simply says that other people are going to see it. And other people are going to ask. And they're going to say, what is it that you have? What is it that makes a difference? Why is it that in this chaotic world in which we live in, you don't lose it and you don't fall apart? Why is it that when trials come your way and it just seems like that there's one thing after another that piles up, that you don't give up and pitch in the towel? What is it that keeps you going, that keeps you keeping on in the midst of challenging times? And you can tell them it's something on the inside, it's not on the outside, but it's something that's on the inside. God has strengthened me. God has given me His grace. God has given me His Spirit. And He he holds me up in the darkest of times. And that's what keeps me going. And when other folks see it, they'll ask you about it. And they'll want to know about it. And they'll want to, if God has touched their heart, they'll want to worship and rejoice in the same thing that you rejoice in. You know, with all my heart, doesn't matter if it's with all my heart or not, but I'm just telling you that with all my heart, I believe that we have the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I do. If I didn't, I'd start, I'd start heading down Baldwin Mill Road and checking places out until I could find it. I would. I believe that Jesus Christ died for His people. I believe He paid the price in full. I believe He redeemed every single one of them and there's not a one of them that will be lost. And I believe that every single one that Christ died for will live with Him in glory someday without the exception of one single person. And as much as I enjoy sharing the truths of Jesus Christ and His promises and His gospel, I know that I'm not adding one person to heaven and doing that. It's not in the hands of the preacher. It's in the hands of Almighty God. I believe with all my heart that the Scriptures teach that He knew you and He knew me from before the foundation of the world. And that when He thought on us, He thought on us with good thoughts. He didn't think on us with a thought of condemnation. He thinks upon us as good thoughts because of what Jesus Christ did. Otherwise, it would be wrath upon our lives. And I believe that God has preserved a little remnant, even here in Maryland, that holds the truth of the sovereignty of Jesus Christ to know that He's in control, that He's in charge. And when He speaks... It's God. And I delight to dwell with the people that believe that as well. We had a visiting preacher up at Southampton years ago. And a lot of 
Gold Baptist Church is down south. Southampton's north of the Mason-Dixon line, just a little bit. There was a an old preacher. He's still living. Uh, he's real old now, but he was attending a seminar in Lancaster, and he came to Southampton. Brother Andrew Huffman had invited him to come and preach. And there's about 25 in attendance at the little meeting house. And he was from the extreme south, and he stood up and he said, You know, I'm encouraged. He says, I didn't know that the Lord had this many elect north of Mason-Dixon line. I asked Brother Andrew after services were over, I said, was he serious? He says, about halfway. Well, I know that the, the Lord's church just represents a small number of the Lord's people. It does. I delight to know and I delight to share with you that the Lord has a big family. A lot bigger than what I'm aware of or any that I know. I love the old Baptist. I love the old Baptist. It's a great joy and delight in my life. But God's family is a lot bigger than just the old Baptist. It is. God dwells in the heart. It's not dependent upon the preacher. And it's a great delight to worship and fellowship with the Lord's people. He's got a big family. He sure does. And I'm thankful for that. Well, when you think of this meeting place, I hope that God has blessed you in the times that we met here and worshipped. When you think of this meeting place, I hope that you might think back to this little portion of Scripture. It's so descriptive of what the Lord's church ought to be. We've seen it with our own eyes, with the old men and old women there with leaning on the staff for very age. And we've seen it with our own eyes, with the little children playing out here in the cemetery, running through the building, fellowshipping. We've witnessed it ourselves. And when you think on this place, I hope you'll think on it with happy thoughts, with joyful thoughts, with thoughts that the gospel's been proclaimed here in this county for almost 300 years at this location. Older than the county. Older than the country. I mean, uh, uh, America. George Washington wasn't even president when this, what he thought of when this church was here. And yet the gospel has been proclaimed in this place. What a great witness and what a great blessing. And we've been blessed to partake of it and to witness it and to see the makeup of the Lord's church. In our last 300 years, it hadn't changed. I expect when they met here in 1722, 1732, in those times, I expect the congregation looked a whole lot like it does right now. Had a few children here, had some older folks, had a few folks in between. Might have dressed a little different, but I expect it would have been the same group of folks. If the Lord carries, His church will look the same another hundred years down the road. May God bless you.